guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Pilati. I don't know about you guys, but this week has felt never-ending, so I am very happy it's finally Thursday and we are one day closer to the weekend. I have even decided this afternoon I'm going to make a cheese board. I'm going to vlog it, don't worry. I do want to put out like a full video, like just going through my process of my charcuterie boards and things like that because I am so passionate about my charcuterie boards. I feel like that is like my one quarantine like you know COVID the thing that has come out of this just hell of a year has been my affinity and newfound love for charcuterie boards so I'm gonna make one of those later and in the meantime I'm just getting all my work done putting out this episode that I so uh, diligently researched yesterday and was planning on recording last night and then I got hit with the worst period cramps of my life of my existence and I just couldn't do it and so I just took the night off and decided to record in the morning. So here I am Thursday morning, a cup of coffee down. I have a nice little espresso right here. Is that what you call it? No, it's like a latte, I guess. I don't know. Our Nespresso has been giving me uh, life recently. I was a big Keurig person for a long time. And then, you know, when I moved here, Julia was like, no, we need the Nespresso. Like I have one at home. I'm going to have it shipped, like whatever. And I was like, well, the Keurig's fine. Like what's wrong with the Keurig? And boy was I wrong like the Nespresso gosh it really does change lives so I've been drinking that I don't know which one it is like the names are just so exotic I just I don't even know what they mean so I just like pop one in and I think it's like this was the green one I don't really know but it's good stuff so I'm drinking my coffee um sweating a little bit because (laughs) we're going through a little heat wave here in LA um so it's hot I just ordered a fan, not that it will help me when I'm podcasting because of the audio. I feel like that's something every podcaster is like, you know what? I have the fan on, disregard the audio. But for me, I'm such an audio snob that I just can't. So anyway, so as I was dreaming up this episode yesterday, um, I came across a really cool story in history that in typical thick and thin fashion, I plan on telling you guys today. I love a good story. So we're going to talk about the history of the first female detective, which I had never heard of. Her name is Kate Warren, um, had never heard of her in history. And I feel like she plays such a pivotal role in one of the most important elections and just time periods in history. And I can't believe, or US history, I should say. And I can't believe that her story is largely forgotten and unknown. So I'm going to talk about her later in the episode. But before that, we're going to talk about something a little bit more superficial. Uh, My favorite TV shows and books of the moment. I wouldn't say it's superficial, but it's just, you'll see. I, I like reality TV these days, which is something so new for me. I don't typically enjoy reality TV because I feel like the video editor in me knows how fabricated those are and how they strategically edit it to make certain moments look more dramatic or certain things happen that didn't happen and it like looks like it happened because of you know post-production and camera angles and things and so I'm super passionate about uh you know like digging on reality tv and so I typically just like don't watch it I'm not a bachelor person I just like I don't know I wish I could enjoy it but I just like can't let myself and so it's very shocking that recently I've been invested in this show called Selling Sunset which a lot of you guys have probably heard of it's a very classic reality tv show but it's surrounding the real estate market here in LA and then 
there's just a lot of like personal life drama with all of the agents like on the show and it's honestly like 10% selling houses 90% just like catty drama but I live for it and I don't know why so I'm going to talk about things like that like tv shows that I like watching recently some books some songs some things like that because I feel like I hardly ever talk about like entertainment things on here and just like things I'm enjoying I feel like I just I don't know why I don't talk about that I feel like every other podcaster under the sun talks about that kind of stuff so here I am uh doing that I feel like I always like read these books and watch these shows and like post a little snippet of it on my Instagram story but I don't really talk about it in great detail and I feel like I owe that to you guys because you might be bored and you know wanting a new book wanting a new show and here I am to give you guys my recommendations so we're going to talk about Kate Warren first female detective and just my entertainment little things of the moment, little things that I've been excited about, things I've been turning to when my day just gets like really overwhelming and just the current time we're living in gets overwhelming. Or if I have severe period cramps like yesterday, I was like on my deathbed, ask Julia, and this is actually what I did. Here is my remedy. I have become convinced ever since moving out here and just like in general that salt water cures everything literally everything I feel like my eczema has never been like better my skin just like everything about me has never been better and I honestly truly attribute it to the salt water I go for a swim every day almost every day if I can make it there we are super close to the ocean it's like literally right there so I go as much as I possibly can and yesterday after I was experiencing just like debilitating period cramps like the lower back kind you guys know that it sucks or many of you know probably and guys the salt water cured it I was just drifting in the ocean for like 20 minutes I was pruny by the time I got out of there but it was just like pure bliss it was like sunset time or not quite sunset it was like a little before that and it was just a beautiful day I was just drifting in the waves and I was like this is just this is bliss I forgot about my cramps it was great so I but I did get some salt water up my nose I think and that's why my nose sounds a little stuffy right now it's one of those things where I just like I know it's salt water in there maybe some sand, maybe a sea creature. I don't really know, but (laughs) something is up my nose. Anyway, TMI, you guys know, I just, I talk about everything on here. I can't keep things from you guys. If I have a slug up my nose, you guys need to know about it. So (laughs) anyway, so I'm going to talk about some entertainment things. I feel like I never talk about that stuff with you guys. So here I am doing it. I have three books in front of me. I want to talk to you guys about, I have, um, some TV shows I've been watching. I guess top line, the TV I've been watching, as you know, I just said, Selling Sunset has been high on my list if I just want like mindless entertainment and I don't want to have to think about anything for a while. And so Selling Sunset is that show for me. I feel like if you guys don't know what it's about, just like a little more of a synopsis, it's about the real estate market, but like the people behind it here in California, um, specifically on Sunset Boulevard, which is like the biggest, like it's a very wealthy area or street specifically. And then, you know, Beverly Hills, they sell some houses there. Um, but it's this like real estate group and they are the most dramatic bunch. It's basically 10% them selling houses, 90% their personal drama which I am so invested in. Like I said, don't typically like reality TV, but for some reason I am so into this shit. And it's really just like 
a back and forth of like certain little dramas with like them and their spouses and like weddings and bachelorette parties and just like really crazy superficial drama that I am just so invested in. So I watched that when I just like don't want to have to think. But another show that I've been loving that you do have to pay attention to, you can't be like on your phone or your computer. I think I might have actually talked about this before on the podcast, but I don't know. So Killing Eve is that other show that I'm referring to. It is amazing. I think it is one of the best shows of like 2019, I think is when it first came out or maybe, maybe before that. Um, but I remember seeing like ads for it and thinking, oh, that's probably not going to be like my cup of tea or I just might not be into that sort of show. But I do love Sandra Oh from Grey's Anatomy and like some other things she's in. So I knew that I would like it. And who's the other actress? I always forget her name, but she was in um, some like period drama shows. So I saw her and I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. And Julia actually works for an entertainment network that I think they produce the show or they no they do like PR for the show I don't really even know but she was telling me to watch it and so here I am watching it and it's really good I'm on the second season I think or the end of the second season I'll have to check um but it's so juicy I don't want to give much away but basically it's about um a female assassin and this female detective um or what is she she does like intelligence or something it's um it's a European based show so they're in Uh, the UK and like kind of all over the place Um, and Sandra O's character is basically trying to hunt down this female assassin the female assassin like is trying to kill her for a bit I don't want to give too much away but there's a little bit of like romance in there there is just like a lot of really unexpected scenes and overall I just love the cinematography of it I love the fonts they use classic Katie talking about fonts I just like can't go an episode without talking about fonts um so I love that show it's so addicting I can just watch like three episodes in one sitting and not realize time has passed so it's one of those shows so really on the opposite ends of the spectrum with Selling Sunset and Killing Eve but I love them so so much those are two great shows um, I guess, oh, Julia's trying to get me to watch High Fidelity also, so that's next in the queue for me if you guys haven't seen that. Apparently, it's incredible with Zoe Kravitz. Um, we actually, so two nights ago, watched the original movie High Fidelity that apparently the show is based off of. I didn't know that there was a movie first with John or uh, John Cusack and um, Jack Black and I think some other notable people, but those are the two that I knew. So we watched that movie uh, a few nights ago, and I literally got emotional. It was like a really good movie, like very relevant. If you've ever been through any sort of heartbreak, you need to watch High Fidelity, the movie. It was put out in like 2002 or something. So it's one of those amazing like early 2000s movies where like the women wear like disgustingly nude lipstick and think it's trendy and like have those like short little baby bangs. And like, it's really like, it's, it's something. So I loved that movie. And interestingly enough, so the movie version had uh, Lisa Bonet, an actress, and her daughter is Zoe Kravitz, who stars in the TV show version. And I think she produced it as well. So how cool is that? Like the mom-daughter element, like 20 years later, putting out the show. I was really disheartened to see that it wasn't renewed for a second season. Hulu did not renew it. It's a Hulu original. Um, And I know Zoe Kravitz had some powerful things to say about that and about how Hulu is racist and things like that. And 
it was sad to see. I'm stuck. I'm definitely going to watch the first season. Um, I'm sad to know that there's already not going to be a second one, but I'm still going to watch the first one. And I recommend you guys watch the TV or the, the movie at least. I'll let you guys know if I like the show, but the movie for sure you need to see. So yeah, um, those are kind of like my TV movie recommendations of the moment, but I have three books here in front of me I want to tell you guys about um, that I'm reading. I'm kind of in a little like circulation of three books or what's what's a, a, like a rotation, I guess. I like go through a little bit of each of them at a time. And the reason why I'm able to do that is because they're all so different. Like their storylines and like concepts are so different that I don't get them confused or mixed up. And sometimes I'm in the mood for like one over the other. I'm like so like that. Like I just can't sit down and be committed to one. I don't like monogamy with books, <laughs> basically. So uh, book monogamy is not a thing for me, I guess. So I have three books in rotation right now. So the first one I want to tell you guys about and recommend, I guess, so far. I don't want to like fully recommend these because I'm not done them yet. So I'll just say that I am reading them and I haven't like become disgusted with them at any point. So I like them, I guess. I haven't gotten to the end, which apparently this book that I'm holding right now called In Five Years by Rebecca Searle is going to kill me at the end, apparently. So many of you guys have DM'd me to tell me this book is going to leave me in tears, like in a puddle of my own tears um, at the end, which honestly, I'm a little scared. Like you guys freaked me out because <laughs> I like I like where the book is going, but I'm like scared that something crazy is going to happen. So uh, thanks for freaking me out. <laughs> Just kidding. Um but not. So I'm going to read you guys the little synopsis like in the inside book jacket cover thing. I actually hate book jackets, like the the outside casing of the book on the book or whatever that stuff's called. Um, I don't like those things. I always take them off, but I keep them so I can read these things to you guys. So I'm going to read this one. In five years, it says, um, where do you see yourself in five years? Danny Cohen lives her life by the numbers. She is nothing like her lifelong best friend, the wild, whimsical, believes in fate, Bella. Her meticulous planning seems to have paid off after she nails the most important job interview of her career and accepts her boyfriend's marriage proposal in one fell swoop, falling asleep completely content. But when she awakens, she's suddenly in a different apartment with a different ring on her finger beside a very different man. Danny spends one hour exactly five years in the future before she wakes up again in her own home on the brink of midnight, but it is one hour she cannot shake. In Five Years is an unforgettable love story, but it's not the one you're expecting. So basically, she gets to see her life in five years, and it's nothing like what she's living in her present. And it like freaks her out because at first she thinks it's a dream, and then like some other stuff happens, but really, really good. Um, it's a pretty good like beach read or like a short read. It's not extremely long. It's like, I think, roughly 200-ish pages, or no, a little more than that like 250, 250 pages, so not insanely long. Um, I'm about halfway through this one, so highly recommend uh, getting into that one. Apparently, it's about to kill me, so I'll let you guys know how I feel towards the end, but so far, I'm digging it. I feel like this book also came at such a good time for me with my recent move because there's actually one page of the book that I like came across and was like, this page, like it gave me full body chills because I'm like, this is my life. So I'm going to read a little section. It's like literally a paragraph, but it's not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to read it. So it says, 
Um, I used to think that I could never live in Los Angeles. It was for people who couldn't make it in New York. The easy way out. Moving would mean admitting that you had been wrong, that everything you'd said about New York, that there was nowhere else in the world to live, that the winters didn't bother you, that carrying four grocery bags back home in the pouring rain or hailing snow wasn't an inconvenience, that having your own car was in fact your dream, that life in fact isn't hard. But there's so much space out here. It feels like there is room to not have to store every piece of off-season clothing under your bed. Maybe to even make a mistake. Ugh! Like, that is, like, literally my life right now. Like, I feel like when you move out of New York, you almost feel like you you kind of lost or, like, that you didn't make it or something like that. But it's just, I don't know why that mentality exists because I feel like I, by being out here and trying something new and having some space to roam and salty air to breathe, I feel like I... I've won, honestly. So yeah, I can't wait to get deeper into this book and finish it and maybe cry. I don't know. But okay, let's talk about another one. Okay, so next in the rotation is this book called They Wish They Were Us by Jessica Goodman. Again, I have the jacket off of the book because I just hate the feeling of them. So I'm like holding just the jacket and I'm going to read you guys a little synopsis of this one. This one's definitely a little younger, I feel like, but I kind of like, I love younger books like based in college still I'm like still living in college partially in my head so like I'm okay with it like I like a younger read it just like brings me back so okay this one says in Gold Coast Long Island everything from the expensive downtown shops to the manicured beaches to the pressed uniforms of Jill Newman and her friends looks perfect but as Jill found out three years ago nothing is as it seems freshman year Jill's best friend the brilliant dazzling Shayla Arnold was killed by her boyfriend After that dark night on the beach, Graham confessed, the case was closed, and Jill tried to move on. Now it's Jill's senior year, and she's determined to make it her best. After all, she's a senior and a player, a member of Gold Coast Prep's exclusive, not-so-secret, secret society. Senior players have the best parties, the highest grades, and the admiration of the entire school. This is going to be Jill's year. She is sure of it. If Graham didn't kill Shayla, who did? Jill vows to find out, but digging deeper means putting her friendships and her future in jeopardy. Dun, dun, dun. I found out about this one through my friend Sam, who works at Cosmopolitan Magazine in New York, and this is actually by the op-ed editor at Cosmopolitan, Jessica Goodman. So this is her debut novel, so I was so excited to support her in this one. Apparently, I mean, the reviews have been insane, so I'm so excited to get deeper in this one. Um, It's like a murder mystery, which I always love, so that's another one in the rotation. And then third, a lot of you guys have definitely heard of this one. It's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Um, and I mean, just the title and the cover itself drew me in. I was like, this is just like beautiful and something that I feel like I'm definitely going to relate so much to, especially now that I'm in this new chapter of my life. And I like, I I don't know why I just like put off getting this one. I feel like I just saw everyone talking about it and I was like, okay, everyone's reading this. Everyone's talking about it. Maybe I should like go against the grain and read something like no one's talking about, but like okay, I don't need to be that like hipster. This is a good book, clearly for a reason. So here I am reading it. It was a little pricey. It was like $28, but it's the hardcover. So, okay, I'm going to read the inside book jacket cover of this one. Um, So it says, this is how you find yourself in all caps, like large letters. And then under it says, there's a voice of longing inside each of us. We strive so mightily to be good, good partners, daughters, mothers, employees, and friends. We hope all this striving will make us feel alive. Instead, it leaves us feeling wary, stuck, 
overwhelmed and underwhelmed. We look at our lives and wonder, wasn't it all supposed to be more beautiful than this? We quickly silence that question, telling ourselves to be grateful, hiding our discontent, even from ourselves. For many years, Glennon Doyle denied her own discontent. Then, while speaking at a conference, she looked at a woman across the room and felt instantly in love. Three words flooded her mind. There she is. At first, Glennon assumed these words came to her from on high, but she soon realized they had come to her from within. This was her own voice, the one she had buried beneath decades of numbing addictions, cultural conditioning, and institutional allegiances. This was the voice of the girl she had been before the world told her who to be. Glennon decided to quit abandoning herself and to instead abandon the world's expectations of her. She quit being so good so she could be free. She quit pleasing and started living. Soulful and uproarious, forceful and tender, untamed is both an intimate memoir and galvanizing wake-up call. It is the story of how one woman learned that a responsible mother is not one who slowly dies for her children, but one who shows them how to fully live. It is the story of navigating divorce, forming a new blended family, and discovering that brokenness or wholeness of a family depends not on its structure, but on each member's ability to bring her full self to the table. And it is the story of how each of us can begin to trust ourselves enough to set boundaries, make peace with our bodies, honor our anger and heartbreak, and unleash our truest, wildest instincts so that we become women who can finally look at ourselves and say, there she is. Untamed shows us how to be brave. As Glennon insists, the braver we are, the luckier we get. Ah, goosebumps. I'm so excited to get deeper in this one too. Um, This is a part of Reese Witherspoon's book club. So I know it's good because Reese has great taste. So I'm excited for this one to get deeper as well. I just kind of recently started all three of these. So they are fresh in my mind. Um, So yeah, those are the three books I'm reading recently. I talked about TV movies, I guess. One last thing I wanted to share before we get into the story of Kate Warren um, is a, oh, songs, music, classic. You guys know I love Folklore by Taylor Swift. I have listened to it on repeat, but that's kind of old news now because I have like done a whole podcast on that. So another artist that I am like wildly obsessed with right now is Bruno Major, like Enough that I just get, I get emotional listening to his music. I find his songs really speak to me and he has the most beautiful voice. And so if you want a new person to listen to, if you've already listened to him, but just want a reminder that like to listen to it, because I feel like I forget about really good songs sometimes, definitely listen to uh, Bruno Major. I find my favorite one from him is The Most Beautiful Thing and Places We Won't Walk. And I just love the like premise behind them and also just his voice is just like literal it's it's angelic so that is my favorite artist of the moment and yeah those are just like my favorite entertainment things things that have been getting me through so uh yeah those are my entertainment things and before we get into the story of Kate Warren I want to introduce a sponsor for today's episode this episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by Gladskin And let me tell you a little bit about them. So I personally don't know about you guys, but I love good news in my life. And earlier this year, I made a YouTube video where I opened up about my biggest insecurities. It was super difficult for me to film, but I felt like it would really help so many people. And it really did. And the video was actually all about my struggles with eczema, which has bugged me for years. I've had the most horrendous, just painful eczema on my hands, on my arms, on my face, under my eyes, just really 
injury in various parts of my body and it's been a massive insecurity of mine. I've had to cover up my body with clothing and just different accessories, just being so fearful that people would see my eczema and not to mention it was super uncomfortable. And I discovered Gladskin Eczema Cream about like six months ago I think now and it's really changed my life. Gladskin scientists actually found that nearly all people with eczema have a bacterial imbalance in their skin meaning their skin's microbiome is just out of whack and Gladskin eczema cream with microbalance is so much more than just another moisturizer on the shelf. It works by rebalancing your skin's microbiome and providing relief from that itchy redness situation that I just I know so well because I've experienced it my whole life with eczema and I noticed a huge transformation in my skin after only two days of using it. It's just amazing how quickly and efficiently it works. Um, it's a really unique product and I've noticed so much change in my skin. I use it twice a day or more than that sometimes and it's just really unique. It's um, already been a proven solution for eczema relief in Europe for five years and it just became available in the U.S. this year. Wish I knew about it sooner. It's different from steroids and traditional over-the-counter moisturizers because they don't rebalance the skin microbiome. What's worse, they actually contain preservatives, which kills all the bacteria, even the good bacteria that's needed for healthy skin. So I like to say that Glad Skin works smarter, not harder, making it safe for everyone, even little babies as young as three months old. You just apply it twice a day, daily, even on sensitive areas like eyelids. I get it super bad right underneath my eyes and it's a really sensitive area and I don't find that it really irritates my skin at all. It doesn't at all. I have very sensitive skin. And even when your skin feels fine or you have no flare-ups, it's good just to use as a moisturizer. Um, it can be used proactively to keep eczema under control and you can't overuse it. That's not a thing. So it's free of steroids, fragrances, preservatives, and drying alcohols. It's been clinically proven to reduce eczema itch and redness. And there are no drug side effects. It's been clinically tested. It's hypoallergenic, dermatologist recommended, and accepted by the National Eczema Association. And you can get it shipped right to your door at gladskin.com and it's backed by the gladness guarantee you can try it risk-free for 60 days love it or your money back if you guys suffer from eczema or know someone that does definitely try out Gladskin. i have been such a proponent of it for so long because i believe that it truly does work and i use it myself twice a day so be sure to check it out get some for yourself and use my code katie 10 that's k-a-t-y 10 for 10 percent off any 35 dollars plus Gladskin purchase and that includes standard free shipping so use my code k-a-t-y 10 on gladskin.com for 10% off. So it was the evening of February 22nd, 1861. A young woman smiled as she met her brother at a train station in Philadelphia. Her sibling was tall, but he was bent over and covered in a shawl so no one could see his face. To anyone who asked, the woman explained that her brother was sick and he needed some breathing room. On the sleeper car of the passenger train, the woman slipped a wad of cash to the conductor, bribing him to avoid placing anyone else in her section of the car. She was with three other men in addition to her sick brother, and calmly she settled in for a long night's train. It was no ordinary train journey, however. The woman had lied when she said the man was her brother. In fact, he was Abraham Lincoln, not yet president of the United States, but traveling through some sketchy areas of secessionist activity on his way to his inauguration in Washington, D.C. And as a little refresher, because honestly, when I was first reading this story, I was like, wait, secessionist, that sounds so familiar, but I don't really like remember what the term means and like what 
is happening at this time in the U.S. So back in the 1860s, even before this, there was a lot of chatter about, you know, states leaving the Union. If you guys aren't from the U.S., this is also a good little story or a little refresher. Um, So, you know, states were looking to leave the Union over issues of slavery. Slavery was a big one. Um, There were like the slave states and the the non-slave states, like states that didn't want slavery to be a thing. And then like the southern states, majority of which wanted slavery to exist and continue to exist. So slavery was a big issue. There was also the issue of taxation, states' rights, you know, things like that. So, you know, a lot of states were threatening to leave the Union. Abraham Lincoln thought this was severely illegal and should not happen. And so, of course, he, uh, you know, became president and was on the side of the Union. And a lot of states were, there was a lot of unrest, which is, you know, in a short summary, um, the secession of these southern states from the Union, a.k.a. leaving the Union, led to the Confederacy and then ultimately the Civil War. So that's what's happening during this time. A lot of people did not like Abraham Lincoln because they knew that he would ultimately cause a stir and threaten what they thought were their rights, you know, to own slaves and to, you know, do whatever they please, especially just states overall thought that they could really do whatever they want and not abide by the union, things like that. Um, There's a whole lot more I could say about that. And I also want to note that Abraham Lincoln, now we know, wasn't the best guy uh, for a lot of reasons, but you know, just for the sake of the story, uh, the woman who so effortlessly hid the most recognizable man at this time, very tall guy, very distinct looking. Her name was Kate Warren, and we're going to talk about her today. She was America's first female private detective. She left behind such a thrilling legacy, but it was kind of difficult for me to dig up a ton of detail on her because, you know, being a private detective, a lot of stuff is under wraps. She was probably responsible for a lot more than we know. She was a private detective, a spy. She had so many aliases, like over a dozen aliases, and assumed so many other identities. So it's kind of hard to track down like every single thing that she did, but I have enough to share that is just going to give you goosebumps. It's crazy. So she was a master of all these aliases, assumed identities, but had no actual official photograph that is out there in the world that we know was her. There's like some things that people have drafted, like thinking this is what she looked like, but we have no way of knowing because she's just there's so much mystery surrounding her identity and honestly this tells you all you need to know about her she was a master of hiding in plain sight so taking things back she was born in Erin, new york in either 1830 or 1833 we're not really sure she came from a really modest family and as a woman during the 1800s she had a limited education she was of course as we know you know destined to be a housewife basically and of course we know now that's not how it panned out (laughs) so she was interested in becoming an actress apparently uh, when she was young but her family opposed the idea saying you know she of course should have a family and be a wife and she soon abandoned that ambition but I think it's funny that she wanted to be an actress because ultimately she played a lot of different roles and that's what made her so good at her job and so famous well should be famous in history because she really killed it so back to our story when Kate was just 23 years old so a year younger than me she uh, lost her husband in an accident I'm not really sure what the accident was but he died when she was just 23 leaving her a widow and probably feeling a little lost in the world um, and her, her life based on what we know actually kind of begun in 1856 when she walked into the Pinkerton National Detective Agency office in Chicago 
Chicago and declared that she wanted to be be a detective. She's like, hey guys, I want to be a detective. And I kind of imagine the conversation happening to a wide-eyed group of men, like just sitting there suppressing laughs, thinking like, what does this woman want to do? Like, this is crazy. Because at this time, women law enforcement officers didn't exist. No police officers, really no official jobs like that belong to women. It was more so secretaries and desk clerks and things like that. And so they you know, probably stared at her and was like, really, you want to be a detective? That doesn't, that's not a thing. That's not how it works these days. Um, so I imagine that's how the conversation went. But Alan Pinkerton, who actually created Pinkerton Agency, they created or first made their name in the late 1850s. And they were known for hunting down outlaws and providing private security for railroads, things like that. Probably a lot of other stuff that was like kind of under the table. But um, Alan Pinkerton created it. He's a Scottish-American detective and spy. And so given the time period and the fact that there weren't any female detectives at this time, I can assume they were a little confused when she walked in there. But so Alan Pinkerton actually did have many women working for him as clerks and secretaries. And so when she came in, he assumed that that was what she was looking to do. And, you know, he was surprised when she was like, no, I want to be a detective. But he was super charmed by her her manner and her overall demeanor. She offered up the many potential merits of a female detective from her ability to manipulate targets into believing she was on their side in a way men could not, among other things. And he later described her as, quote, slender, graceful in her movements, and perfectly self-possessed, self-possessed in her manner, with, quote, eyes filled with fire, which I love. I love that picture of her. And two years after she was hired, so in 1858, Kate scored her first major case. This was three years before what she would be kind of known for, um, the Lincoln assignment. So three years before that, she had her first job. So in this job, she was sent to investigate reports of embezzlement within um, an important client's staff. So this was the Adams Express Company, which is still operating today. It's an equity fund company, um, and it's a, a for a freight car- carrier. <laughs> freight carrier. I can't say this. AK, it's like a shipping company um, and it runs throughout uh, the North and South or like it did in the mid 1800s. And so the Pinkerton agency had first worked with them to solve a robbery in a few years prior. And then now they wanted to find out who within their ranks was stealing from the company's bankrolls, stealing thousands and thousands of dollars or like over $50,000, which was a lot at that time. And so when she arrived to investigate Kate befriended the wife of the expressman who was believed to be the culprit. Like everyone kind of thought it was this guy, but didn't have any evidence, didn't have anything to support that that claim. So she befriended the wife. And soon Miss Maroney, that was her name, trusted her new friend Kate and confided in her, told her things uh, classically like women do. She told Kate that her husband had not only taken the cash, but that she knew where to find it. It was hidden in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania. So Kate found the guilty man and was able to track down almost 40,000 of the 50,000 that had been stolen on her very first case. So people were like, okay, this, this girl means business. This woman means business. And so by 1860, it became obvious to Pinkerton that not only was Kate Warren extremely valuable to him, but that also more female operatives, uh, as he referred to term his detectives, he called them operatives, would be beneficial as well. He opened a female detective bureau and put Kate in charge. This is huge. 
given the time. Um, and so on another occasion, this is another case Kate was on, she actually, she interrupted a plot to poison a wealthy captain uh, by posing as a fortune teller, which I think is so cool. So Pinkerton, uh, the agency, rented out a space for her to use as her pretend fortune telling studio. And she actually, she read some books on fortune telling and quickly taught herself how to, like, or the basics of it, and hosted the captain's sister, Annie Thayer. Thayer was impressed by Kate's knowledge of her life, you know, as a quote fortune teller, but she really had just done a lot of research on her and trusting that Kate had a real gift. The sister eventually disclosed that she was under the direction of a lover named Mr. Patmore to assist with the murder of Patmore's wife and her own brother, Captain Sumner, so they could enjoy his fortune and like run off together. And so from this, Kate was able to put some people behind bars. Patmore was convicted of his wife's murder and spent 10 years in prison, which I don't think is enough, honestly. And the pair was caught before they could murder the captain, which was incredible. All because Kate pretended to be a fortune teller so well that she was able to get these secrets from the sister. And something that really did help Kate was the fact that there were no female detectives and spies at this time, uh, like full-fledged ones with a title and whatnot, like represented by an agency and all that jazz because of the time. And so Kate was never suspected to be that, like no one really suspected that of her, which definitely did help her. Um, And so, yeah, but of course, by this time in the mid 1800s, let's just get back to like the culture of the time, talk of slavery, abolition of slavery, secession, all of this had become a very dominant talk of the town, in the United States at least. This is all U.S. history, by the way. So the rise of Abraham Lincoln as, you know, the future president did very, very little to diffuse tensions between the North and the South. I think people were still super angry. Well, they definitely were because the Civil War happened. Um, But Pinkerton was a longtime abolitionist, was very against slavery, uh, really pro-union. He put Kate and four other agents on a job to investigate secessionist threats and activities um, on the railroad. So the railroad is apparently a place where a lot of this sketchy stuff happened and people were just like killed in the night and like a lot of sketchy things. So they were like on that job for this time. Um, And so prior to the official inauguration of Lincoln, he was receiving these like crazy death threats involving everything from a knife to a spider filled dumpling. Like what? A spider filled? I think that's like a thing of like a nightmare here. Like I will have that haunting my dreams now, a spider filled dumpling. Anyway, so in the absence of a secret service, which wasn't conceived at this time, Pinkerton was asked to help with Lincoln's safety as well and just kind of to step in, especially as he was traveling on his speaking engagements and his tour as he uh, worked his way up to being president. So they were comparing all their field reports and Pinkerton believed that his agents were really close to finding something so much bigger than simple agitation and people being angry with Lincoln. Uh, President-elect Lincoln was to be assassinated. He was going to be assassinated in Baltimore en route to his inauguration, and Pinkerton was sure of it. And so, of course, Kate is put on the case. Our girl, we love her. Um, And so she used, during this time, various aliases. She was really good at it, um, using aliases like Mrs. Cherry and Mrs. Barley, pretended to be a wealthy Southerner and 
a secessionist sympathizer. And so she assumed this role of a typical rich Southern lady with a thick Southern accent and got a lot of information this way. So she was actually the first to figure out that the Baltimore plot to kill Lincoln was very much a thing, not a theory. It was happening. She also uncovered a lot of nitty gritty details about it just by, you know, talking to the wives and getting details from people because she, they thought she was someone to trust. So apparently the plan was Lincoln was going to be ambushed at Baltimore's Calvert Street Railroad Station. I'm from Maryland, so this is so interesting to find out. Like, I know where this place is or was. Um, So the plan was a fake brawl was going to, you know, put police officers and railroad guards in a state of distraction, um, and Lincoln would be killed by a conveniently placed secessionist mob at the station. And so... Kate figured this out and got ahead of it and stopped it from happening, as we know, because Lincoln did indeed become president. So um, Pinkerton now, basically knowing this, the whole agency had to arrange Lincoln's safe passage to Washington for the inauguration, which would not be easy. Sounds easy, but it wouldn't be because Lincoln had these speaking engagements in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, um, and he refused to cancel them, which I think is dumb, but whatever. Okay. Men are men. And so, you know, being the tall and very distinct looking guy that he was, Lincoln really stood out in a crowd. And so there was a, a bunch of factors here that made it difficult, but they figured it out. So they came up with this plan. Once uh, he was finished with his Harrisburg engagements, you know, Pinkerton, Kate, and this guy named Ward Hill Lehman, who was Lincoln's self-appointed bodyguard, would disguise him as a sick man, um, Kate's brother, and get him to safety. So Kate played the role of the sister and to conceal the changes in Lincoln's itinerary so the public would not figure it out, they arranged a temporary telegraph fault. I don't really know what that means, but I think basically the warning to the conspirators was stalled a lot by like convenient like issues with telegraphs. I don't even know. So they didn't know that Pinkerton knew that they knew that they were going to kill Lincoln, essentially. So from Harrisburg, a special train took them to Philadelphia, and then another special train took them to the heart of the plot, Baltimore. And then from Maryland, Lincoln safely reached Washington somehow. Uh, The plotters were upset. The people that were going to kill him were very upset, and that just made their hatred rise. And of course, we know just what happened in the Civil War and all that, but it could have been a pretty massive moment, well, would have been a very massive moment in history if Lincoln was killed. I mean, it really would have altered the state of the U.S. at that time, and as we know it, and the outcome of the Civil War, maybe, like, a lot of stuff would have changed if Kate hadn't been so smart, disguised herself as a Southerner, figured out all these details, and got Lincoln to safety. Like, he even personally thanked her um, and all of that, like, after it happened. And so, It was actually said that Kate never rested during the entire journey. She was just watching over him all night. And this apparently inspired the Pinkerton Agency's legendary motto, which is, we we never sleep. That's what it is. And so, yeah, over her career, she used a dozen different aliases. She worked as a spy while also continuing her work as Pinkerton's superintendent of female detectives. So she really did help a lot of other female detectives come to rise when she wasn't down south pretending to be a Southern belle for information. She did that throughout the Civil War. Um, She was really lucky also with this because um, her partner and an English-born spy, Timothy Webster, who also was doing a similar thing, was not lucky. He was unmasked as a union agent and he was hanged in Richmond um, in, in 1862. So luckily Kate 
uh, avoided that, and it was a very seamless journey for her through all that. She continued as one of Pinkerton's most senior employees. Sometimes she even posed with Alan Pinkerton as a couple, like that was one of their like kind of their aliases. Um, I feel like this could so be a Hollywood storyline. Like I'm getting the feels for that. I feel like someone should definitely turn this into a movie, like even like a romance between Pinkerton and Kate. Like I feel like that's such a thing. Anyway, so Kate was a badass. She was a pioneer, a trailblazer, the first female private detective in the U.S saving a president-elect from assassination, among so many other things, many we don't know anything about. She was incredible, and sadly, she lived a very short life. In January of 1868, Kate contracted a lung infection, which possibly was pneumonia, we're not really sure, but she was unable to combat the spread of it um, because antibiotics were not yet available, and she died on January 28th at... She died on January 28th, and she was only 35-ish. So she died on January 28th, and she was either 34 or 35 years old, so very young. And her name on her tombstone is, is actually either misspelled or it's like coming off to the point that it reads Warren, W-A-R-N. Um, I've read a couple conflicting reports that like either someone misspelled it, her family was not um, aware that she had died, I think it was all very secret, or just the you know test of time, the words are coming off the tombstone. So now if you go to the wherever she's buried, it just says W-A-R-N on the tombstone, um, just in case you're going to go check her out, <laughs> check out her tombstone. Stone, but we need to keep her story alive with the E intact. Kate Warren, W-A-R-N-E. She had an incredible life despite it being short. I think that she, like I said, is responsible for how the U.S. is today, largely, because Lincoln, although problematic in a lot of ways, we've now learned um, his, you know, the way that the U.S. unfolded after he was president and during the Civil War really was pivotal. And yeah, so I think that she does not de- she does not get enough credit. She deserves a whole chapter in a history book, and I'm shocked that she doesn't have one or that I never heard of her before literally yesterday. So yeah, I'm happy that I was able to share this story with you guys. She had such a spirit that I think a lot of us need to embody and know that we can do hard things. We can do things that aren't customary for women to do, and it's just it's really inspiring. So Uh, Yeah, that's Kate's story. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Thick and Thin. Um, I now need to eat something. My stomach has been growling for the last like 10 minutes, so I hope you didn't hear that. Um, But yeah, so with that, I'll leave you guys uh, to the rest of your day. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. (laughs) 